Welcome to another sparkling edition of the Thought Police, the fast-growing um, and foul-mouthed uh, podcast. <laughs> Thanks to Kevin O'Sullivan. You've only dragged it down market, you know. When I used to do this with Matt Kelly, um, you know, it was quite ethereal, even though Matt would occasionally swear. But you've taken it right down into the gutter. Well, I'd like to fucking you know? thank you for and that. And I'm quite happy about yeah, yeah. that, by the way. People <laughs> I'm seem very to fucking quite... pleased about that. <laughs> <laughs> load of old bollocks. I mean, the trouble is, we'll get into why uh, we are still talking about that load of old bollocks that is the uh, coronavirus policy in this country. But I thought we should kick off today, Kevin, just because one of the giants of the newspaper business died a few days ago. Harry Evans, Harold yes. Evans, author of the book Good Times, Bad Times, former editor of the Sunday Times and the Times yep. and the Northern Echo. Let's yep. not forget. Um, and I just thought it'd be a good opportunity for us to look back on the golden era of Fleet Street and the time when I was watching, I was watching a, um, a little bit of a sort of mini documentary about him yep. uh, where they said that he would sometimes hire writers and send them off on a job and they wouldn't write anything for six months. Yeah. I mean, these were the, the golden years of Fleet Street because yeah. you could literally go on the piss for six months, yeah. produce nothing at all. And nobody would be asking you on the phone, what the fuck are you doing? At the risk of being heretical here uh, uh, and saying something heinous, uh, you know. It's not like you. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Evans, he's like a kind of uh, a, a totem figure for all journalists. They go, oh, Harry Evans, Harry Evans. Oh, the journalist journalist. What a genius. The man who changed journalism. Yeah, I'm sure he's a pretty good editor and all that. I and, mean, he uh, was a very good editor of the Sunday Times, I must well, say. Yeah, he's... Uh, you You're know, he, they were thalidomide. You know, they re revealed thalidomide, which is what journalists uh, should do. Yeah. Uh, so that was a good thing that he did. Uh, but I do find all this this gushing hero worshipping him of him by hundreds of journalists who never even met him. Right. Kind of weird. Yes. Uh, but well, I but, mean, that's the world we live in now, though, isn't it? I mean, you look at some figure and you don't know him, and you don't actually. I mean, there might be some, and this was touched yeah. upon by a piece that I read, funnily enough, in the Sunday Times. Yeah. That, you know, well, he did take up with Tina Brown, who was a lot younger than him, while he was still married. So he wasn't a saint by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he did end up marrying her, and they ended up uh, having a long life together as a couple. But, I mean, he wasn't averse to being, yeah. you know, getting his leg over in, uh, with, so, a, with a young blonde. Well, you know, he's a journalist. Listen, <laughs> but, you know, so, so he writs a book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, God, bro, yeah, a long time ago now. Yeah, um, yeah uh, so he writes a book, Good Times, Bad Times. Good Times, when he was employed as an editor yeah. by Rupert Murdoch. Bad Times, after Rupert Murdoch fired him. Yes. And if he, he was, if he was such he was told, a great, legendary e uh, editor, where are all the other owners of newspaper groups? falling over themselves to hire him again. He never edited a Fleet Street newspaper no. again. And he went to America, didn't he, with yeah. Tina Brown? She became yeah. With his tail between his legs. She became very famous in yeah. the New York yeah. sort of yeah. social world yeah. as the editor of Vanity Fair, didn't she? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and you know, arguably... And well, sort of the creator of She became Vanity kind Fair. of much more uh, iconic and successful than he yes. ever was. Uh, but I suppose journalists like to gather around people they think are towering figures in their profession. Yes. And in a way, he, he was. But I think only because, and I don't want to say because he had the good luck to break the thalidomide story, he had the brilliance and the professionalism to realise this was an important story. And, also, and he stuck by it. What and I didn't know, in the actually, paper. until I read all the stuff about him, was that he brought, and I should have known, because I read Good Times, Bad Times yep. when it came out. Yep. My mother bought it for me, thinking this would be a good help for me for my future journalism. Yeah, 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 Mike, this you is know, how you get fired. This is how you, this is how you go. Um, <laughs> but he brought the story from the Northern Echo, because he started the thalidomide sort of campaign yeah. while he yeah. was up there. Yeah. And people do forget that in the Northern Echo days, when it was a big paper in the Yorkshire Post and the Manchester Evening News, mm. and all those, they were big papers. You know, they weren't just sort of, you know, regional yeah. sheets, which, yeah, yeah. which nobody oh, no, gave, they were, yeah. gave a toss about. I mean, they were big 
operations. All and, credit uh, to him, yeah. And all credit to him for coming down from the north but of England. But what else did he do? Well, apart from editing the Sunday Times for about eight years. Well, it was, I mean, he, well, it was quite a big campaign, that. Yeah. Um, and I think he was um, generally viewed as one of these guys that could do everything in a newspaper. And he could, yeah. he could you know, I mean, I, I put myself in the same bracket because, as you know, I was not only um, a reporter, but I also became a production supremo as well, which many people didn't like because there were subs, right, who were basically... You should people... write a book, Mike. Shit times, even shitter times. <laughs> Well, I've actually written a book about it, which is currently being looked at, and it's called, uh, at the moment, the, the working title is It Seemed Like a Good Idea at the Time, <laughs> which pretty much sums up my, Don't entire, blame me, I my, was entire, pissed. my entire career, including several firings. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, lucky old Harry Evans, he only got fired once. Yeah, I've been yeah. fired loads of times. Guys, he's an amateur. I mean, bloody amateur. hell, you know. But, it, well, I mean, you know, I think back to the days when I first went to America when places like the Daily Mail had about six people in the office in New York, right? Yeah. The Express had seven. The Mirror... Employed, twenty. The Mirror yeah. employed Mickey Brennan yeah. to sit in an office yeah. with his cameras just yeah. in case yeah. they wanted to use him to take some pictures. Mirror had twenty, and every uh, and, day. And the, uh, the Mirror's uh, company car uh, from Manhattan in the 1970s is now in the National Car Museum is it? in Bewley, really? Britain, because it is a classic, like hundred thousand dollar Lincoln convertible. No, right. It's the okay. most amazing car you've wow. ever seen. That was their company mm. car well, the for real, the use of the. I journalists. mean, we used to go around in stretch limos all the time. I mean, because yeah. you'd hail them on the street, even if you didn't order one, uh -huh. uh, they'd be driving around. They'd, dri they'd stop for and you, they'd yeah. stop for you yeah, you, if you yeah. were just going uptown or whatever like that. But, you know, there were people, like, these kind of giant figures like Dermot Pagavy, who used to write a column, um, and he yeah, had one glass yeah. eye. Lovely guy. He's dead now. He died yeah, recently. Yeah. I saw him at my, last time I saw him was my 50th birthday party, yeah. which he came to, uh, him and his wife. And they came for the, for the party and then went back to um, the hotel where they were staying because he used to live in New Jersey. Right. And he, um, then they turned up the next day and stayed for another day. <laughs> we drank more champagne. It was great. But, you know, he used to write this column, um, Pagavi's Eye on America or something like that, you know, like twice a week or so. It was all he did. Yeah. He didn't do anything else. Yeah, nice. Hugh McIlvenny came over once, and I remember them standing at the end of the bar in Costello's with their pieces of paper with them, and they, were, they, they literally handed each other their column to look at. So one was reading the other's column yeah. and sort of nodding sagely about how great it was. You know? yeah, and yeah. it was a great life. Yeah, and that's really the thing was. about Harold Evans. I think the reason so many journalists of a certain age uh, look to him as the beacon of something good and bright and mm. wonderful was because he is symptomatic of those times on Fleet Street when Fleet Street was fucking good fun. Uh, yeah, and because there was an need, awful lot of people who didn't you, do very uh, much. Let's, let's be honest. You needed uh, talent uh, to shine on those papers. Uh, but if you were good, you didn't have to, have to work that hard. No. You could spend most of your time in the bars yeah. boasting to your mates about how great you were. Absolutely right. Uh, and that was Fleet Street then. And Harry, you'd also make ha half your salary up when you got sent abroad a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, with, with the expenses, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, it was great fun. Uh, you could get fired in the morning. And when I was first on Fleet Street, uh, you could get fired in the morning, uh, make a few phone calls to news editors. Mm. You'd be hired again by yeah. four in the afternoon. Well, I wanted to ask you, actually, because you told me this story relatively recently, to, to tell the story of yeah. how you got into Fleet Street, because you were working for a local paper. And they found out, didn't they, that you were oh, yeah, no, no, no. that you were moonlighting. And I think that's quite an interesting story. So well, tell us they, that. Uh, um, uh, 
Well, you, uh, when I was on the local, I was the chief reporter of the Sutton Herald. Right. And in those days... Sutton Herald. Sutton Herald in Surrey. Is it still there? Sutton, near che Sutton and Cheam Herald. Yes, is yes it still it's there? still going just right. about. Piers Morgan worked there as well. Did he? That's why I gave him a job on the Sun. Oh, right. Because I was the showbiz editor there. And, right. and he was a local reporter who was selling right. me stories. Local boy does good. I had a little vacancy. I said, do you fancy it? You know, it's like, I like the set. You were on my paper. You so know? it's all your so fault then. Piers Morgan is now my fault. Now look what he's doing. He's now attacking talk radio. You know. Yeah, Piers Morgan is my fault. And now, now he's attacking. <laughs> Me. I mean, come on. I mean, I haven't actually seen the, the, the footage yet of him calling for Mark Dolan to be taken off the air, but we were saying this the other day, right? <laughs> Poor old Mark Dolan has gone from being the world's nicest bloke to Mr. Face into Mask. being literally, you know, the devil incarnate. I know, you know? I know. Has it happened? I know, but to go back to that story about yeah. how I got to fix it, uh, hot, like, sharp young um, uh, rep local paper reporters in the London area uh, would. Or shift on the Sunday, on yeah. the Sunday in the daily paper. Because the Sundays never had much of a staff, yeah. did they? Yeah, so well, they had a reasonable staff, but they always wanted extra reporters on a Saturday. Mm. So uh, I would go in to the Sunday people on a Saturday right. and do sort of uh, all, all through the day there. Uh, and in those days, I think I was earning 35 quid a week on the local paper. I got 60 pounds for a single day on the Sunday people. That's great, isn't it? And then, That's good money in those days uh, as well. Uh, yeah, and I was getting... Um, quite good shows in the Sunday People mm. newspaper with my name on. So the Sun, then Sun News editor, Tom Petrie, ran me up and said, would you like to do some shifts on the Sun? And I said, sure. So in there, I was doing three shifts a week. Right. So I'd, go, I'd finish my local paper stint at sort of five, six o'clock, get into my car, drive up to Fleet Street, park, go straight into the Sun and work there until two in the morning, two right. or three in the morning. Right. Shoot back to, to my uh, Grotty little flat in Streatham. Go back to my local paper in the morning and do that three right. nights. So we then do Saturday. It was it was hard work, but they used to pay you cash. Right. I mean, I literally in my little grotty little room had this sort of Mount Everest of cash. <laughs> I'd just come and throw it on the floor, fall asleep, get up, dealer. go back. Anyway, at a certain point, I got. Um, I was doing a night shift on the Sun, and the then night news editor, a guy called Alan, Alan Watkins, said to me, "Oh, we're doing a weather splash because it's uh, it's free, it's uh, freezing cold." Right. And uh, he said, "But all these reporters have written the cup. It's all a pile of shit. Can you pull it all into right. one and into a nice bit yeah. of cup?" So I, I did something. A very like, underrated skill. Yeah. That, so I did. Britain shivered into the record books last <laughs> night as the, you know temperatures plunged to you know, there. Colder than so the Antarctic. Like, yeah, yeah. Cold, it was colder than than the than Iceland right. and all that shit. Anyway, uh, at the end of it, uh, he came up, said, great job, we're going to splash it. Right. Uh, uh, you're okay for a byline, aren't you? Now, that's as in by Kevin O'Sullivan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now, my... Because uh, a lot of people had fake names, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, well, I always used my own. But my editor was fine about it. But he, did, he was getting pissed off because I was always going up to the sun and I was knackered all the right. time. And he, he said, tonight, Kevin, you're going to the Leisure and Rec Committee. I said, I'm the chief reporter. I don't do committee. He says, yeah. you're doing tonight. Because he this knew. This is a local I'm, council. Yeah. So, so I phoned up the, the local council uh, committee mm. uh, um, uh, clerk. And I said, he was a mate of mine. Yeah. I said, listen, I, I'm supposed to come to the committee tonight, but I've got to do a shift on the sun. Can you, can you help? He said, no, no, no. Give me a call in the morning. I'll tell yeah. you exactly what happened. So that's what I did. Right. So... I went to the sun, and then the sun said, to, or the news editors, do you want a byline on this splash yeah, yeah. front page story? I said, yes. So then I thought, it's be all right. I'll phone my mate on the, on the committee, and uh, he'll tell me what's happened, mm. and I'll tell Ron, the editor, yeah. that, I went, that I was right. there. 
And uh, when I got in, there's a, there's a copy of The Sun on my, on my desk right. by Kevin O'Sullivan with a note saying, Dear Kevin, you're fired. <laughs> Ron. <laughs> Best Ron. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what's also great in those days. You didn't wait for an explanation. You just went, sorry, mate, you're out. Did you ever get the guy in the morning? Did you not bother? Uh, well, I didn't bother. I just thought, fuck it, it, I'm out of here. Absolutely brilliant. Um, so then you just started doing shit. Yeah, then I just went full time. But three it was nights. also the state of, of affairs, was it not? Because you remember when Maxwell was due to launch the new London paper that he was going to launch? Yeah. And I think it was called, um, what was it called? The London. Uh, oh, hang on. Uh, it wasn't the, it was the Evening News, the, wasn't it? Did he not resurrect the, the, the Evening London, News? London Evening News. London. I news. think he might have resurrected the Evening News because my old man worked for the Evening News and they shut that in the 80s. Yeah, um, I remember. Took, I remember the paper. Anyway, yeah. yeah, and uh, loads of people went to work for him, and I think, I think he'd only put out about a week's worth of papers or something, and then or maybe a few weeks. I yeah, can't remember. Good big people but, like Charlie Ray was yeah, on that. A but lot it of folded, and all of the people that had gone to work for it just went back to their old jobs. They got yeah. redundo from from Maxwell. Yeah, and just went back to their old jobs. Yeah, which you could never do now. Yeah, you'd but that's walk, what it was. It was a you'd very. You'd walk into like one of the bars and just get find the news editor and get a shift, wouldn't you? It was a very uh, fluid place then. You know, a staff job was kind of nice because you got weekends off and you got a company car. My first job, after a while, the Sunday people offered me a job. Uh, and it was like about twice the amount of money my father had ever earned in his life. Yeah. It was a four-day week, right. a company car, uh, uh, and every three years you got an extra seven-week sabbatical. Yeah. Uh, Amazing. It, it was, and I went to my first union meeting of the NUJ, National Union of Journalists, yeah. of the Sunday People Chapel, and they'd run out of things to fucking ask for. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, the, I, I was sitting there. I come from a local paper yeah. where our union meetings would be. Why am I only earning fifteen pounds a week? Right. And I'm sitting in this Sunday People uh, uh, union meeting, and the, and the, and the NUJ. Uh, father of the chapel as they're called the union rep stood up and said it's a disgrace that this company isn't paying for our TV licenses <laughs> they <went>, yes <laughs> so in the end we, we demanded they right. pay for our TV licenses and they did and they did well because they were making so much money I mean when yeah. you're talking about the sun in those days you know edited by Kelvin McKenzie four million a day I mean, absolutely incredible amounts of well, money. I was just there. We, we got up to 4-4. Four, four. Right. 4-4 four, four Well, because I was listening to you uh, at the weekend. You had Wendy Henry on. Yes. Who's a mutual friend of ours. Yeah. Uh, you're former editor of The People and, uh, and the, the News of the, the World, world yeah. of course. And uh, you said quite rightly to her, you know, you wouldn't last much lot, very long in today's world. And she, she said, yeah, I'll be out by lunchtime. <laughs> I'm sure that's right. Yeah, she would because uh, and Wendy was an old school journalist. And in those days, she was an editor in the 80s. I worked with her at The Sun and The People. And, uh, you know, if you got information and you were uh, a responsible journalist, you used it. Mm. Uh, now, uh, if it's uh, deemed to be private, if it's about anybody's health, mm. uh, if it's about uh, their finances and you've intruded on them, there are so many rules yeah. to stop journalists writing the truth. Right. Uh, it's a, uh, well, it's I had lunch a with a guy not that long ago, maybe last year or something from the Sunday Mirror, and he was telling me that now any time you do any story on any celebrity, basically... Um, the celebrity's agent and or lawyer gets immediately gets in touch and asks you how you got the information. And if there's any suggestion that you got the information by some nefarious means, even mm. if somebody told you, they immediately slap an well, injunction on well, it. Well, they pretty much just have to say, we deem this information to be private. Yeah. You are invading our privacy, therefore you cannot run it. And right. the, the editors have to roll over. So to go back to Wendy Henry, an old school, old school blockbuster editor, I mean, I know what she'd do if, they, if you put her in charge of a paper now. She'd say, fuck that, that put it in the it fucking anyway. paper. Right. Uh, 
Uh, and she would be fired by lunchtime. Yeah, that's that's what's happened. It's been a pernicious process where uh, the ability of journalists to tell the truth uh, to uh, the people, to speak truth to power, has been eroded. And now we are seeing what happens when you allow that kind of system to come in. Uh, you end up with a government like we've got yeah. now who think they've got the right to rule uh, the roost and rule us with a rod of iron and issue diktats and decrees as if there's no democracy yeah. at all. That's what well, we've ended up. Well, I must admit, up. I mean, we won a small victory this week, which I was quite proud of, where they reversed the idea that they could have. How ludicrous was this, right, that they could have a drink in any bar in the Houses of Parliament after 10 o'clock at night? The rest of the country. Because it's a canteen. The rest of the country, you can fucking go home. Can you believe? We'll be all right. And also. Can you believe no, they were going to do that? I know. What a bunch of well, fuckers. It was already presumably in place, but they had to cancel it. And then, of course, they said, oh, but it's nothing to do with us. It's to do with the way that ah, the parliamentary, uh, you know, par Palace of Westminster is run by these people. You know, do shut the fuck up and do what you're fucking telling everybody else to do. It's not difficult, is it? I mean, Boris Johnson today, rather bizarrely, gives a speech down in Exeter about lifelong learning and uh, job opportunities for kids who haven't got proper A-levels and how you can go to university. There won't be any fucking jobs to yeah. do in 10 years' time if they don't sharpen themselves up and they don't change the fucking positioning. So th this is where this government has lost the plot. Where Boris, Boris is now a ship adrift. Mm. He, he has looks no lost, idea he what he's... Lost he today. is lost. He is lost. So these ludicrous rules about you can uh, meet in the pub but you can't meet in the garden, you can have sex with someone with a consensual relationship... <laughs> but only uh, from behind. But, but, yeah, only from behind, <laughs> uh, as long as it's in a tree five yards from another... Yeah, don't face no, them. but no, but literally, literally, the cabinet said you can uh, uh, people from the same family can meet in, in gardens, uh, but they mustn't go into Wendy houses. What? This is they mustn't go into Wendy houses. I haven't got. So Wendy if there's a Wendy in. house in your garden for yeah. your kids, and a mate of yours comes around for a drink in the, a legal drink right. in your garden, if you go into the Wendy house, the two of you, uh, because it's raining or something, that becomes illegal. What about a shed? Yeah, well, no, no sheds. No that's sheds. an enclosed space. Because there the, was a time when I used to smoke, right? And I yeah. used to have to go out for a smoke. But if it was raining, I'd go out for a smoke in the shed. You right? Yeah. And if there were other people there to smoke, they yeah. would also come into yeah. the shed. So yeah. now that's illegal. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, this government has completely lost the plot. And as a an increasingly sceptical population says, what the fuck are you telling them? What are you doing? Mm. Uh, the more we question them, the more they double down on their insane rules. Everybody knows the 10 p.m. curfew, the 10 p.m. pub closing thing is absolute nonsense. Yeah. What on earth? is it for mm. uh, and Andy Burnham's response uh, to the 10 p.m. Curfew he wants to make it nine is not to say uh, well let's get rid of this nonsensical rule and allow people mm. to stay in the pubs till 11 because it won't make any fucking difference at all his response is no 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 ban selling alcohol in off licenses after 9 p.m. in other words the way to alleviate uh, an autocratic dictatorial nonsensical rule is another right. autocratic dictatorial you know, nonsensical you know what, rule. What we're learning though about these people that rule us supposedly that we've elected bizarrely to rule us right uh, although I'm not sure if Annie Burnham was actually elected mayor he probably was. Um, yeah he was. Is that they clearly fair. don't go out drinking because I mean what sort of an idiot goes out to a pub and then gets chucked out 
and goes to an off-licence to pick up more drink. Yeah. That's not what you do. Yeah, yeah. You go home where yeah. you've got several bottles yeah. of drink yeah. and you drink some more at home. Yeah. And you might take somebody back with you uh, to not have sex with, yeah. or you might take somebody back <laughs> with you who you happen to be yeah. wanting to spend some more time yeah. Don't with. Don't break the rule of sex. Don't break the rule of sex, exactly right. Yeah. And, you know, the fact is people do not yeah. act yeah. like the way yeah. they think they act. Yeah. And I was saying this to someone today, that nobody really in Cabinet has a fucking yeah. clue how the rest of us live. Yeah, yeah. Do they? I mean, you know, Matt Hancock, mate, listen to yourself. You are standing there at the dispatch box announcing that people in a consensual relationship are allowed to have sex. Hey, mate, it's got fuck all to do with yeah, you. How exactly. fucking dare you? Right. How dare you? It's, this is Great Britain. This is a free country. What on earth do these idiots think they're doing to us? Well, it's he, unbelievable. Know, here's the latest news right for you, because Boris, um, as I say, went down to make this speech in Exeter. It's ridiculously irrelevant speech in Exeter. <laughs> as why, is his won't. And why he did it is anybody's guess, right? But he's had to apologise, apparently, <laughs> right? Because he mixed up his he... own coronavirus rules. Because even he doesn't oh, know what they are, right? God. He was questioned about the latest restrictions, right, coming into force for North East England, and this is from midnight on Wednesday. I'm not surprised he can't keep up, because who fucking knows what's going on, right? First he said people could meet indoors and outdoors in groups of six in areas where no additional coronavirus restrictions are in place. But then he said, in the northeast and other areas where extra tight measures have been brought in, you should follow the guidance of local authorities. It's six in a home or six in hospitality, but not six outside. <laughs> <laughs> so so Boris has been knocked for six by yeah, his own so rules. even uh, Boris doesn't actually what know a fuck with, what the rules are. What a fuck so, with. Because here's what the actual rules are for places like Gateshead, Sunderland, yeah. South Tyneside, official gate lanes <laughs> warn people living there not to mix with people outside their household or bubble in indoor settings, oh. including pubs. I mean, it's all what bollocks, isn't it? What is all this? It's all what rubbish. What is all this? It's got to stop. I mean, it it's really is to stop. quite remarkable. And what do you make of this NHS app, by the way? Because um, uh, OK, that's, uh, I'm glad you said that. NHS app, right? This is another thing. Everybody accepts the government narrative, or mm. too many people accept the, the government narrative mm. that we're in a health crisis. If you look at the statistics that prove we are not in a health yeah. crisis, uh, then why are they doing it for, mm. uh, this to us? So well, this is a question success, a lot of people are asking. The success of the government is to delude the people, is to persuade the people there's a crisis. Right. There isn't, folks. There is not a crisis. They're lying to us. How, the hospitals uh, are all uh, empty. Uh, uh, now, but they also then say, we know we're doing the right thing because pro polls prove yeah. that people are backing us. Right. Ten million people have downloaded the NHS, the, uh, the new app. Right. Uh, uh, oh, well, that means 57 million people haven't then. Right, right. 57 million yep. people haven't downloaded your fucking app. Mm. So, Except for the fact that if you don't download the app, you can't fucking go anywhere. Well, I mean, I've had reports from people that you can't get into gyms if you're a member of a gym. Some pubs. Obviously, pub, I'm, not, pubs? I'm not one. But some pubs, pubs. Will, will probably take the risk and say, don't worry about it. But the problem for them is that if they get reported on, I mean, we had James Chiaverini on the other day, mm. and he said the bloody COVID marshals turned up on Friday night and started just staring at everybody in the window in his restaurant. And he's going, <laughs> you know, guys, would you mind? You start to put people off their dinner. You know, it's like, what are you looking for? That's it, you need the Doctor Who theme yeah. tune there. What are you fucking you? looking for? You know, what are you, you know, what are you watching to see whether somebody's a bit too drunk? Might be, you know, he's talking a bit too yeah, loudly. Yeah. Can't sing now. 85 decibels is the you're, limit. But you're right, Mike. It, it, it is a big persuader that if you don't 
have this app yeah. and you can't show it to a pub or a restaurant and they won't let you in, yeah. it's a big persuader to get it. Yes. However, but it's also it still flawed. seems 57 million people are resistant yes. to this idea. It's also that's flawed. Quite, that's quite it's enormous. It's also flawed. I don't know if they fixed the problem yet, but I was laughing at the weekend because it turns out that there's no ability for the app to actually enter or for you to enter on the app, yeah. the fact that you've had a positive test, yeah, I know, I know. unless you've done it through the app. So yeah. if you get a positive test in a, in a hospital, you can't actually put it on the app anyway. Mm. So the app can't then tell everybody else. You can also turn the Bluetooth off on the app mm. so that it, nobody can see where you are. You mm. can also stop the tracking on the app. Yeah. You know, it's a complete and utter nonsense. And here's nonsense. why I'm reluctant and resistant to getting that app. Well, I haven't got it yet. Uh, uh, well, uh, um, But again, I haven't gone anywhere where they've asked me to produce it. Uh, it, it's because uh, it, it, it is predicated on the fact that this is the only way to help us out of our health crisis, mm. our coronavirus crisis. I do not accept that we have a coronavirus right. crisis. This government is making right, it well, up. Would you accept that we did have one? Well, I don't know. I don't. Well, I yes, mean, I would. Yes. I mean, we, at yes, the beginning, yes. so no, this is the argument I was having for Hitchens. I, I mean, I still think we did the right thing. No, no, no. That's, that's a different that. time. That, well, that's a different time. Yeah. That's when a thousand people were, a day were dying. Yeah. I accepted this looks like a health crisis. Yeah, yeah. Now, I do not accept that this looks like a mm. health crisis. I do not accept we have a health crisis. So I will not get your app because I don't accept your premise. Right. Uh, you are making this up, government. For some reason, you're making it up, probably because you dug yourself too deep well, in the Well, because they admit they And you cannot up. admit you've done this all wrong. You cannot admit Sweden were mm. right. I agree with you, Mike. Cool. When a thousand people a day were dying, it was the only thing yeah. to do. We right. didn't know what we were, were dealing with. We didn't know what was happening. We had to lock down. I agree with that. Uh, as the uh, crisis has continued, it's been proved, it's clear, lockdowns only postpone the progress of the coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, if we have another one, it would just postpone it. It's a pointless thing to do. Uh, and uh, the government's continuing its insistence that we're in the midst, in the grip of a terrible health crisis, is just a lie. It's right. not true. Right. So I'm not getting your app. Well, I mean, it's not really even provable. You know, we keep seeing all of this uh, stuff coming in from, from France and from Spain and mm. their numbers going through the roof and they've got a second wave. We don't seem to know whether we've got a second wave or not. Yeah. You know, they're of course talking we haven't. About, we haven't got a second wave. You know, they're talking about all these students getting infected. I mean, bloody students. I Go mean, out. Almighty. Just, just leave your campuses. Uh, we can't. Tell them to fuck off. We Go for a drink. You know, we can't. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, when I was so scared. I mean, talking uh, about, uh, you know, when I was at college, we used to occupy on a regular basis, if we fancied it, occupy the old uh, vice chancellor's office. Several people would get laid. Yeah. You know, we'd have uh, you know all night drinking sessions, yeah. dope smoking parties, all sorts of things yeah. going on. And then you know we'd give it back to them on the Tuesday. <laughs> um, these people seem to do exactly what they're told. Yeah. So you go, you can't get out your room. Okay, what? then I'll just sit here. When, when I was a, a student, we had a rent strike uh, at uh, quite right at London. That's the whole point of being a student. And when um, Ma uh, Malcolm Muggeridge. Uh, the, uh, then big luminary was a, a sort of celebrity visitor who was coming, I remember coming was he not chancellor of some university yeah I think he, uh, and he, he was coming to visit us and the chancellor said uh, oh you know can you just like lay off the, the strike just while Malcolm Muggeridge came right. so not only did we not lay off the strike <laughs> he turned up with a massive banner across the top of our um, residences that said fuck off Malcolm <laughs> what you meant to do when you were That's students. Student. Yeah, but now, students. now they all sit in their room saying they're suffering from mental health anxiety because uh, they can't go out.
You, yeah. go, well, you can actually go, go out. out. Open the fucking go door. Go out. It's a load of old down the crap. Stairs, you know? I just want to stress, though, to go back to when you were questioning me about this app. Yeah. If I accepted that getting the app would help uh, a real health crisis would be useful to the community, my community, if you like, then I'd get it like a shot. It isn't an act of antisocial uh, behaviour by me that right. I'm not getting it. It's, but I don't accept the government no, but also, premise. And more people if, if, should think like me if But also, if, if, if not enough people get the app, then the app ceases to be of any use anyway. Even if it was accurate, even if it didn't make mistakes, even if it was capable of actually having people who are testing positive to enter the fact yeah. that they're testing positive, yeah. even if all of those things were true, it still wouldn't be any use yeah. if there's any sort yeah. of one in six people that's got it. I agree. Because if you go to a bar or a restaurant, then five of those six people are not involved in the scheme. Yeah. So if they if they're in some way positive, you will never know. Yeah. Sure. Sure. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, again, I'm very doubtful about face masks, but I'll wear a face mask. I don't mind. I don't wear, mind wearing a I face mean, mask. I mean, I won't wear one to the point of absolute kind of uh, madness, like in the street. Yeah. But I'll tell you what I find at the well, moment. Well, that's what Sadiq Khan wants you to do. Oh yeah, in I know. Well, he can piss off. Bloody idiot. <laughs> you, piss off. you know, get lost, Sadiq. You know, this is the same bloke who hey, said Sadiq, that, this do is same, one. This is the same bloke who said you can't catch coronavirus from the tube. Oh, oh yeah, how do you know that then? Jesus. I mean, where Christ. do they come out with this He's shit? He's such a little twerp. He really is. But here's the thing I now have to get on a bus, right? And I used to, if I was on a bus to a train station, I'd take it off when I got to the tube. I'd go down the escalator with the mask off and I'd put it on when I got on the train. Maybe that's now, not good enough. Now you have to wear it. So I have to basically put it on when I get yeah, on the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't take it off now until I get here. No, no, right? well, yeah. Which actually makes me really hot. I got in this morning. I was hot, sweaty. It was yeah, horrible. It does. It really does. But I do think that the, the, the central problem is that too many people are accepting the yeah. government narrative. And I beseech the people of Britain mm. to look at the facts, look at the statistics. Uh, our death rate is like minimal now, absolutely yeah. minimal. We are doing worse uh, than... Uh, generally speaking, in health certificates, statistics than uh, Belarus, where the leader of Belarus told its his uh, citizens, uh, "Forget about this. It's only the flu. Go and get pissed. Drink a lot of vodka." They're, they're doing better than right. us. Sweden is doing miles better than us. Uh, people have got to start questioning this, otherwise they're going to sheep-like keep accepting what this mad crazy, lost-at-sea government is telling us what to do and we've got to start to resist this because this is getting serious. Our I mean, freedom well, it really is being is. eroded. Well, when you suddenly find out what they can do and how, how much they can tell you what you can't do, mm. you suddenly think, yeah. well, hang on a minute. Yeah. You know, because I don't even know. I put this to somebody today. I don't know if I sit in my car and drive around with the radio on or, a, you know, a Spotify playlist on mm. really loud, if I'm going to suddenly be pulled over by the cops to say, you're playing music too loud, it's not supposed to be above 85 decibels, yeah. we have measured your radio, oh, yeah, they, yeah. and it's now 86 singing decibels. And loud music and singing in pubs is no longer allowed. R come on. Absolutely ridiculous. Come on. Absolutely ridiculous. No way. <laughs> but this is the other thing, right, that as long as they continue to think that they're doing the right thing, all of these people who are still terrified, you still see them on social media, but this is for your own good. Do you want to kill people? Oh, well, Do you want to protect the, the country? You should be being more responsible. Well, you won't kill anyone. You won't kill any This is this is all a lie. Mm. People are buying a lie. Right. Well, but it's everybody ridiculous. made a big thing, didn't they, of the fact that a million deaths have now occurred. Well, so what? There's 7.5 billion people exactly. in the world. And also, do you know how many people died in 2018? About 60 million, right? <laughs> so you're talking about about a week's worth of dead people have died 
since the beginning of this virus know, in March, know, right? So that was what seven months ago. You, you, if you if you bring this, the, if you start talking about deaths and the number of deaths. Uh, you will create terror. Mm. And that's what's happened with COVID-19. And that's why the government pumps out daily statistics. Yeah. As you say, Mike, why don't they pump out statistics about other deaths? Yeah. Well, no, so look at this, right, as, a, as a, just an exercise. So in that period they're talking about where we've lost a million people worldwide, 28 million will have died of something else, <laughs> right? That's what we're talking about. Fucking mad. Isn't it? Fucking mad. It's just crazy. The whole world is going mad. It's very, very worrying. And the only way out of it is for the people to wake up and stop listening to idiots like Matt, mm. Matt Hancock and Boris Johnson yeah. and the two Ronnies of medicine, Valance well, and Well, I mean, even the Tory... get MP, real. Even the backbench Tory MPs are now calling for them to be fired. Yes. Because they've been basically scaring people. Because they should be fired. People. Because they should no, be they've fired. they've been scaring people. They're, 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 they are naked scaremongers. It's disgraceful. Mm. Uh, and I worry about there's been a decent uh, rebellion of backbench... Labour uh, Tory MPs, Labour will apparently join them. There are enough MPs now in the House of Commons to vote down the government's right. uh, next attempt to lock us down. And this is all happening tomorrow. Uh, so by the happening. time you're listening to this yeah. podcast, it will be happening this well, afternoon, basically. Well, we, uh, we do not have the benefit of hindsight, but as things stand, it looks as if the Speaker, Lindsay Hoyle, is going to block an amendment by Sir Graham Brady, yeah, it's the, not legal. the head of 1922 committee, because uh, you, apparently with it, you can only vote yes or no on uh, government proposals. So the government is proposing an, extent, an extension to its draconian coronavirus law, yeah. which allows it to rule by a diktat. MPs are trying to stop it. Uh, Lindsay Hoyle is trying to stop them stopping it. Yes. Well, welcome to the world of John Burko Mark II. Yeah. You know, he, we were yeah. told that Lindsay Hoyle was going to be different, that he was somehow going to be... I mean, the problem with these people, right, is that they live in this kind of rather gilded world mm -hmm. where they think they have to do everything, you know, by the book, yeah. uh, because this is the way we this do it. This is the bureaucratic 3, system and we have years. to stick to the rules. We yeah. have to stick to the rules. Well, you don't, well, actually. There's not a person in the country that gives a bollocks about parliamentary rules. Yeah. These are decent MPs, a majority in the House, it seems, who are trying to get this country back to what it's supposed to be. That's a parliamentary democracy, as opposed to a couple of idiots at number 10 Down Downing Street handing down diktats and decrees which we must obey. And also, to them. just to go back finally before we stop uh, to Boris, what does he think he's doing? <laughs> you know, what's he going to Exeter for to make a speech about something nobody cares about about something that he can't predict while we're in the midst of all of this madness. Yes. What's he thinking? I Does he think, oh, I know, I'll just distract everyone by going to Exeter. I, I have no idea, Mike. I mean, go west, young man. You should have carried on. Go to Land's End. Go off the end. Uh, but yeah, he in should. The silly Isles. But, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a good home. place for him. It's spiritual home. No, but he should look around this country now. You know, there are marshals walking around, peering through people's yeah. letterboxes at night right. to see whether or not they're yeah, disobeying the rule of the house. Yeah, I mean, look around you, Boris. Look what you've done. Fucking get real. Save us from ruin. Yeah. Really now. Do you know now? what I said this morning on the, on the show? I said, it feels as though somebody sneaked into your house overnight. They've put a camera in the living room. They've nicked all the booze out of the cupboard. <laughs> Uh, and they've uh, they've put one of those uh, volume limiters yeah. on your stereo. Yeah, and, ba don't and banged, any, a, banged yeah. a sign on your Can't wall saying... Don't have a good time. Whatever you do. Banged a sign on your wall saying, no singing. No singing, <laughs> you miserable cunt. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, it's I mean, crazy. it really is unbelievable. Absolutely ridiculous. But thankfully, 
uh, we have the, the thought police to uh, to rely on and the to uh, to remember what actual normal people sound like because it's certainly not much normality coming out of Westminster. No, it's not. Uh, we also are missing due to the vicissitudes of time. We're just ahead of the. Uh, Biden Trump first oh, TV yes. presidential Which debate. Should be fun. We should hold fire on it. Uh, uh, but just to say, when people say there's no decent comedy on TV, <laughs> tune in. It's yeah. going to be hilarious. You're going to have to stay up all night, but it might well be worthwhile. We are the Thought Police, and we'll be back next week. So I went to the sun, and then the sun said, to, or the news editors, do you want a byline on this? Yeah, yeah. front page story I said yes so then I thought it'd be alright I'll phone my mate on the on the committee and uh, he'll tell me what's happening mm. and I'll tell Ron the editor yeah. that, I went, that I was yeah. there and uh, when I got in there's a, there's a copy of The Sun on my on my desk right. by Kevin O'Sullivan with a note saying dear Kevin you're fired <laughs> Ron <laughs> Best Ron. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what's also great in those days. You didn't wait for an explanation. You just went, sorry, mate, you're out. Did you ever get the guy in the morning? Did you not bother? Uh, well, I didn't bother. You know, I just thought, fuck it, I'm out of here. Absolutely brilliant. What sort of an idiot goes out to a pub and then gets chucked out and goes to an off-license to pick up more drink? Yeah. That's not what you do. Yeah. You go home where yeah. you've got several bottles of drink and you drink some more at home. Yeah. You might take somebody back with you uh, to not have sex with, yeah. or you might take somebody back <laughs> with you who you happen to be yeah. wanting to spend some more time Don't with. break the rule of sex. Don't break the rule of sex, exactly right. And, you know, the fact is people do not act like the way they think they act. Yeah. And I was saying this to someone today, that nobody really in Cabinet has a fucking yeah. clue how the rest of us live. Yeah. Yeah. Do they? I mean, you know, Matt Hancock, mate, listen to yourself. You are standing there at the dispatch box announcing that people in a consensual relationship are allowed to have sex. Hey, mate, it's got fuck all to do with yeah, you. How exactly. fucking dare you? Right. How dare you? Look around you, Boris. Look what you've done. Fucking get real. Save us from ruin.